Welcome to Optimize My Life Radio. All week is Heroes Week. We are going to highlight, we're going to interview, we're going to talk to service members, current and former, and hear their stories. We're going to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly, whatever they want to share. But our goal is to highlight and honor these men of and women that have served and put their life on the line for something more than themselves or their families. You know, as we start start this week off, hometown heroes, we highlight the military. And you know, a big question people have is how can somebody sign up? How can someone go through all this? How do you do all this at all for someone you don't even know? And for some, it's a calling. It's something that it's kind of like becoming a pastor. It is something you're compelled and want to do. You just feel this urge to want to do it. And no one can talk you out of it. For others, it's an escape from the life they had growing up. For others, it's a college education. So many people have a different reason. And so many do it. And people think there's so many that do it, but in reality, it's not. Currently, only 0.04% of Americans actually serve currently in the military. Only 10% of that population sign up for and try out for the military. Only with screenings and what we've got going now. Only 7% of the, of the people that signed up of that 10% actually end up serving in the military. So very small population. You know, there's so many... talk a little bit more about service beyond duty. What that means is the profound and the impact that military personnel and veterans have on their community and society in a whole beyond just their active duty service. You know, when you're in the military, and, you know, I went through this when I got out and I was looking for a job. I was looking for anything, just something to do. And I tried to apply for a job at a fast food chain restaurant. Okay. Well, the punk 20-some-year-old kid told me, well, all I had on my resume was my military experience. And he looked at me and he goes, well, you have no work experience. Like, okay, sure. That's what you want to say. But service members, the experience we get or we do is one leadership and skills transition. You know, all the training we do, all the drills we do, it installs a discipline. which also makes it harder for us 
to transition out. Well, it gives us skills and leadership. You know, we'll take command of situations that are going on in, in the community. You know, we're able to adapt on a dime and work in teams. We have that high-level discipline and effective time management skills. You know, we carry these traits into the civilian roles. You know, where we're taught, we're trained. Here's a job. Get it done. Get it done right. Now, how to get it done? That's up to you. But get it done. And so we were you are put into this mindset that it doesn't matter what the job is. You're told to get asked to get it done. You get it done and you do it. You know, because we are trained to lead under extreme circumstances, challenging circumstances, We're natural leaders. We handle that stress to get that mission accomplished, get those things done. We get them organized because that's what we know and that's what we do, and we do it well. All the things that can go wrong, we don't sit and worry about all the things that can go wrong. Or we don't sit and contemplate how to do it. Because how our mind works, and this is part of the adaptability and resilience, is that, all right, so we need to move from this thing from here to there. I see this stuff in front of me. So as we're doing it, if it's not working, our mind's already going two steps ahead and figuring out an alternative to get it done. You know, the Army and the military, we are not, everything we do in the service is all about teamwork. Nothing is individuality. So it makes it so much easier for us to bring a group together and coordinate and work as a team. So handling those complex tasks and coordinating a million different people and different personalities works so well. (coughs) You know, clear, concise communication. We have those skills to be able to just, and this is a double-edged sword in the sense with this communication, is that we don't always sugarcoat it. We don't always hold your hand. We expect that when we tell you to get a job and ask you to do a job that it gets done. Ethical leadership. That integrity and that responsibility, admitting when you screw up, admitting when you're wrong, or you don't know how to do something, asking for help. You know, our commitment is so strong that we... thrive. We look for community involvement because we're so used to being around all these people. You know, you're always around others. And so as time goes and we get one of the biggest issues we have with the transition world (coughs) for that community. (coughs) Excuse me. So so when we get out, we do so much volunteer work. We look and seek out 
setting cues. Here's all the positive things. With Veterans Week, one of the other things we're talking about is the health crisis with veterans. And most importantly, the mental health crisis and how so many. Give me one quick second. Um, is the post-war syndrome, the depression, the anxiety, the transition period. And there's a numerous amount of organizations that successfully can help you or your loved ones that are struggling with these issues. One organization is the Battle Within. They're out of Buffalo, New York. Why, hi, Mr. President. Did you forget what number to call? Partially. <laughs> also, I looked at the clock. That one happened to me. We haven't got all the clocks coordinated yet. And I thought I still had an hour. <laughs> and this one, it's already been fixed. So I was really messed up. I thought I called in, literally. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so that's why I was on the wrong phone. <laughs> Good morning. So, Good morning. It is a great morning. So we start out our Veterans Week on Hometown Heroes, and it's Hometown Heroes Week. And we're honoring different veterans. And so today we're kind of talking about different organizations, such as the Battle Within, um, Reboot. The Hope Collection, different organizations that can get you resources and help that you need as you're struggling, especially with the mental health and housing crisis, especially with veterans. Because so many veterans right now, especially the Vietnam era veterans, are still waiting for the disability. And so they're struggling with issues, trying to figure out how to get money and we've got some that do get disability and they're not making enough or getting enough to they have to decide every week every month if they're going to pay rent pay utilities or get food their check only covers one or two we still have too many veterans that are living underneath bridges in our community um, we're not a huge city Buffalo but you know, on any given day, about six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, you find a number of shadow people, is what I call them. They're people that are living somehow, escaping overnight, some kind of shelter, some door front, or some place where they're able to, you know, subsist through the night. And of course, in our town, they have what we call cold blue. And any given night when the temperature reaches some point, every single shelter absolutely has to be open. That's a, you know, certified. And uh, has to be open and they have to receive. You can't turn anybody away. And it has made, you know, a, a debt in the problem. It doesn't solve the problem. What really solves the problem is engaging our, our young men and women who, and some of them are not young anymore. They came out of the service after spending their time there and when they got out because they had no cultural experiences outside of the, you know, in the Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, every day they get fed. They may not like the food, but they get fed every day. They don't have to worry about who is going to get the food and store it and cook it and all prepare it. Every day they had a place to lay their head. But here we have a case where we have all these people that are walking around, and y- your heart goes out to them, no question. And we 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 go beyond having our heart go out. We actually find ways to help people accomplish 
what you're saying, Mary. And we're not the only ones. And because there's many, sometimes because there's many, somebody thinks, well, it's all taken care of. And the opposite is true. Every individual situation has to be treated separately. And there has to be this unique thing that the last four years, up to last year, our government did everything it could to isolate every single person in the United States of America. And if you're isolating regular family people, what about the people that are outside of a family? How isolated can they be? And when you do that, they lose the ability to have a common process of life, where they're going, where they're heading. They don't even, what they want to do is make sure they have a next meal. Many of them have addictions. So many of them, their, their desire is to solve that problem or at least keep it maintained. That takes connection. That takes absolute connection. And so a lot of organizations that are out there that promote and they do good and they do, you know, you got the towers, tunnels of towers that build homes, but they do much more than that. But that's the no for. You got the uh, uh, all the different organizations you can see them on the, on the internet all the time. But there aren't as many that are actually going out to reach somebody, a body, a person, and taking them in in some way, shape, or form, and connecting them. And those are the ones that we're having that have the most problems and are most likely to suffer and die. And they're the ones that we need to focus on, putting energies and efforts that we can do that. I don't think you can have a conscience and drive down the road and see the guy in the street. They used to stand on the corner and say, I'll work for, I'll work for food. And then they passed laws that if somebody does that, they'd take them away. They used to put them in jail. And now there's lots of room to house them in jail, but... You know, who wants to go there? Uh, notice all the criminals don't even go there anymore. So, you know, it takes an additional level. And I'm so thankful and grateful we have a person on the Board of Hope Collection. Who are you talking with today? She is a hometown hero. Her name is Mary Stanley. Her and her husband and her two children are examples of people that live. Part of their lives is living, dedicated, working tirelessly, anonymously. Sometimes she is a certified counselor, helper. And sometimes she can help. But most of the time, the, the look at it, it's like scripture. says the fields, are, the food is plenty, but there's nobody there to harvest. Well, we need to have more people step up and be part of the harvest <coughs> so that we can do our, our goal of Helping. That's what God said. Treat the worst of mine, least of mine. That's what he gave us a charge to do. So, Mary, I, I just we stand tall for what you do, how you're working with the different organizations, that we can make a difference. That is the goal, and that's the goal this week. You know, one thing I've learned a lot about, through one, my own experience, but also from, you know, dealing with the work that I do, especially helping in post-trauma and post-war syndrome with, you know, veterans. The people who say they're going to hurt themselves, the people who are out there talking about it all the time are the ones that aren't going to do it. It's the ones that put the brave face on every day, that everything's okay, even though it's not. Those are the ones we need to worry about. You know, I belong to a group called Reboot, which is designed, it's a free faith-based organization for service members and first responders who are dealing with trauma. And I've figured out my little triggers here and there, but, you know, one thing I've learned from talking to other veterans is one of my biggest triggers is tone and negativity. And just listening to someone complain or, and I'm not talking just, you know, talk about your problems. I'm talking about always constantly negative and always yelling about things. And I tend to shut down and I hold it all in instead of, 
we have a saying in our house with the kids because, you know, I have two gifted children. And so to help them reset their minds, I didn't practice what I preach. We always say, are you going to be reactive or are you going to be proactive? Reactive means they're having the meltdowns or dealing with it, you're, you know, you're, or are you going to figure out a solution to the problem and be deal with the problem? I was being reactive instead of proactive. So, I, you know, me and my husband would get into yelling matches because I would bury it and hold it in until I snapped. And it's one of the hardest things for us to change because one of the big sayings, everybody knows this, in the military is suck it up, buttercup. You deal with everything and you brush it off because you don't have time to deal with it in battle. Well, at times when it comes down to you have to have the word intervention has been so misused and overused, and they make fun of it on comedies. Mm-hmm. They, they've literally seen, you know, there's so much that is done good for people that you turn around and Hollywood is at the bottom of creating a distraction and the lack of respect, and they destroy, they actually destroy the good that it can do because we want to make fun of it. Well, I'm sick of it making fun of it. And I think we have people who are serious about really making a difference. Doesn't mean we can't have joy in our heart. Doesn't mean we can't be not alive, no happiness in our lives. But we have to be serious about it and make it good and then be good to each other. And I know, Mary, it's not easy. Guys are not always the easiest guys. Hey, gals aren't any easier to live with than guys either. But we got to come together and find a mm-hmm. unity that is a beyond all of us if we just depend on each other to make it happen it don't I have a claim I don't know, I'll stand on it if you have a program that's about to help people and it doesn't have faith as the center of it not just going to church not just reading the Bible but actual faith and drawing the power of God who's given us the way to do it if you don't have that in the system it will 100% fail not now and then. It will fail every single time. See, our answer to the whole thing is the core of having a centerpiece of God. He spent the centuries showing us through people, through miracles, through everything, why we need to depend on them. And when we do, you see people overcome. You see people have joy in their life again. You see people make progress. And that's what I pray that we're, that's, well, that's who we are. That's all collection. The first pillar, the foundation of the whole collection, is faith. And so we may not talk about that every moment in every conversation, but I guarantee you this, there isn't any program that isn't centered with that idea in mind that allows us to help people. That's what we're geared to. And I appreciate you letting me just come on this afternoon. It was my way to say hi, Mary. We'll probably chat a little later. You know, here's the cool part, and there's an organization called the Armed Services Ministry. They actually have study Bibles, study guides, challenges, and Bibles that anyone can go on and order for free to help overcome mental health issues. And the organizations that are faith-based organizations, like Reboot, for instance, the Hope Collection. Um, a big part of One Flag, One Life, my organization is all about faith-based. Your success rate to overcome mental health issues, post-war syndrome, depression, anxiety, increased by 80% without medications compared to just medications and therapy alone. And you actually overcome them faster following a faith-based program over just trying to overcome it. That sense of belonging, that, that community that we have when we're in the military is a lot like faith-based programs. It gives us that sense. It gives you a belonging. It gives you a place to belong. 
But the you, said you know the one keyword, thing. Boy. You just said the keyword a sense of belonging, and that's what you know. A big part of as our country has grown, we we created this sense because they've got a group of scientists or psychologists or leaders. Quite frankly, are not faith based, but they're in charge, and so when they talk about oh, programs to help people or what they do, they ignore it. They want to cure somebody from a problem. And the problem has got to be, it, the power comes from God. You don't, I, mean, I can't do it. You can't do it. I don't care how much education you got or get. You and your power cannot make that change. And the individual who has the problem can't either. It takes a greater being to overcome the negativity, as you talked about earlier, that for most people, they have such a wall of their engulfed in so much negativity or evil that it doesn't touch them. I, I was on a, a jury one time for a attempted murder case. And uh, well, there was a lot of, I mean, it was a serious crime situation. and uh, But it was funny because I was the only guy that showed up in court in a suit and tie, besides the lawyers that were there to represent somebody. I had people coming up to me with wads of money. Will you represent me? Will you get me off? Now, what was unique and not unique, but was consistent between every single person that did, and I'm talking more than a 10, more than 20 people over the weeks that I was in court on the duty, came up to me asking me those questions. I, By the way, I didn't stop wearing my suit and tie because somebody else didn't. I still respect court and that's one of the things I, I by example I'd rather be example anyways during the court case there was not one person that testified not one who number one none of them had a job not a single person they were all the way they got lived was they were given a government source of income or support every one of them that was through the whole people through the whole trial number two so they didn't have a job, they didn't self-support, they didn't have any support. Number three, half of them came in and, they're not supposed to show us, but half of them came in and changed. They all come out of jail to testify. Now, when they used to be, when I remember when I was a kid, there used to be this thing when Perry Mason or anybody else, you put your hand in a Bible and you swore to tell the truth. Well, don't do that no more, because that's God. We can't have that. So they're blocking out very fundamental institution of God who is the total judge and answer. Well, the other thing is because we don't have right and wrong, anything can be right. Anything can be right. If you're in your eyes, if you think it's right, you go pick up some gale on the way to where you're going to murder somebody. You're going to go pick up some gale and smoke up a little bit and then go over there to do the job. Well, that shouldn't affect the, the that, that shouldn't be any part of the, the, the hearing. And then when a guy went up and shot into the house, missed by an inch, a young man in a wheelchair. One into the wall right next to his head, and uh, this guy was so guilty. Fingerprints on the gun, they had the numbers filed off. But that's a federal crime, by the way. And this judge, this this lawyer, I thought for sure it was going to knock me off the case because the way I was dressed when I represented when they asked me questions. The point is, every single this is most important. Everything I've said right now, not one of those people had a soul. I hope you heard me say that. Now, one of those people had a soul. The drugs, the, the, the community, the environment they were living in, they had lost their soul. Now, so it didn't matter what they said. They're going to say what they need to say to live and to move forward. One of the people that was put on the stand actually had a warrant out for arrest for attempted murder. So she didn't go back out on the street. She went to jail right from the, from the service. But how can you judge... How can you have a trial with that kind of a situation? What broke my heart were a number of the people uh, um, we were in our jury group. First thing we said when we got behind doors after the first day of testimony was, this guy is killing our kids. He sells drugs. we got to get him <laughs> off the streets. They didn't hear a word of evidence, but they just said convict him. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't have. In fact, I did eventually vote for him. The, the district attorney did such a bad job of presenting evidence wasn't until we had a statement of his confessing to the, the attempted murder. He did. Then I couldn't put a, I couldn't, well, I was a holdout on the, on the judge on the 12-man trial. 
because I did not see evidence that proved what he did. But he did it until so with his own words. With his own words, he, he convicted himself. So I'm just saying that what we have to realize that when you see these people that are having the issues there, many, 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 not everybody, I'm not wiping a wide brush here, but many, 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 many of them, you wonder why, and there is an answer. There is a true answer. They've lost their soul. And that's why we stand so strong. And my best friend, founder of the Hope Collection, my business partner, he spent his life working to help create environments that people could flourish and blossom and recover. And that's what we truly are committed to doing. And as the president of the Hope Collection, that's why we support as many things as we can. We would support more, yes. Every organization could use more money. But really what we need are more people that are willing to step out, like Mary. Thanks, Mary. Always. You know, the one good thing is, is when you're lost, you can always be found. Amen. Got to go. Talk to you later. Adios. Thank you, sir. I am going to open the lines up for anyone who has any questions, comments, or anything to say. Well, I just want to come in and say hello to the family and relaxing. It's a very dreary day here today in the city of Buffalo, New York, and um as usual, at 12 noon, I come in and enjoy the show or the presentation that's being given on many topics and subjects and um, well-doings. And um, so I always enjoy the show. I always take my notes. Um, I'm always here to receive all things that help us to uh, grow towards um implementing our energy towards these um, subjects. I do appreciate, Mary, when you come in and you share these stories of uh, those stories that if people don't have friends or family members who have the situations where, you know, our children have these articulations, they're actually just born genius into a crazy world. So their spiritual response is the response to the world craziness. And so then they look at our children like, well, something wrong with your child. No, they see you, and this is their response to you. So I feel the protection, the duty to protect our children, to come up like you do constantly with solutions to help our children. So this is a powerful platform, and people should always tune in. And I will continue to tune in because I am a part of the family, the board, the life, the movement, as all of it. And um, it's a great place to be. It's a great community that um, Joel and the um, um, Golden Rule Society and Tremanity and Vortex and all the entities that have come together to make this powerful, Bob Oakley and all, all of us, and Country Boy and his movement and you. and I mean, it's just a beautiful place to be. So thank you for giving me an opportunity for sharing love, and I'll pass the mic, and I'll continue to listen to the show. Thank you. I'm always glad you're here. So Yeah, don't forget. I didn't forget about the – I'm sorry, you know, when, you, when I asked you last week about – so I'll call you next week because he should be here next week, and he's really taking charge of where the children is concerned. And um, – I'm sure uh, he and yourself, you can, you know, maybe come up with something and that works, and maybe we can get her, you know, her thoughts on how she would want us to do something. So I'm excited about that. Okay, now I'm gone. Okay, thank you, Mary. <laughs> well, you get to talk to Ariana live on Monday. She is co-hosting International Kindness Day with Len Kane on Monday, hometown hero, one week from today <laughs> at noon Eastern. Okay, that's going to be great. And I think Jeff will be here, too, so she'll have a lot of audience. We'll get all my grandchildren will be, um, um, she'll be on live with us, and we'll be listening. So she'll have a lot of support. Thanks for sharing. Yes, we'll all be there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gather some children, and we'll be there so they can hold conversations with her. So 
fabulous. Yes. She might get some. She's going to get something going because you you seen the energy of my children. Plus, I have a few more. So please, they Seth is going up into one of the schools of my granddaughters and do a food presentation. That's what I was saying. So you know, we're joined there, right there where the children are, and I'm sure she'll uh, motivate Paradise into really being an sp- outspoken person. And I'm sure Carrie, well, yeah. One thing you talk about off the air is the fact that we are looking for a co-host for our Kindness Club show in the afternoon. It's a show for kids, by kids, about not only being kind to others, but to be kind to yourself, too. And it's an outlet for kids to talk about what they're struggling with, but also, you know, to uplift others. And I want to highlight and talk about... You know, so many kids are doing so many phenomenal things that when we were kids, Absolutely. we never thought about doing. Yeah. And we want yeah. to highlight those. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, we all aboard, and even more exciting, um, I'm hoping that Ron is going, hoping I know that he is. <laughs> He's our man. Um, I just connected with um, a school and a ministry, Christian ministry in Pakistan. And um, I would like for, I would also so connect the lines through to my talk fusion area and have uh, her speaking to them, you know, because I connect. I also have children, oh, my God, a whole city of them in um, Nigeria. So, you know, people, you know, to look over there at people that look like me and say, well, they don't have no issues. Yes, they do. They don't have no mental issues. Yes, they do. So this is worldwide that you have started. We're jump we are we're double dutching in on it. I appreciate I'm so happy that the platform was created, Mary. Um behind the scenes, I'm telling you the the blessings that's raining down on the touching of souls that's not lost, that's just looking for hope. Um it's just um magnifying. So I'm going to so continue to tighten it up like you're doing for I will be, you know, in a fellowship with that, following that leadership of, um, you know, the contents so that we can help the children that have, you know, that um, area, area, and she understands them. And for somebody to uh, have a voice for them, it's a beautiful thing. So we're all in. You know, God is just doing his own thing. It's not nothing that I thought was going to happen, but it did. It's solid. Um I will be bringing all that live and all that energy and attention to uh, this platform as I think that I should because it's what I do. So uh, thank you, Mary. I mean, it's just on fire. We're on fire. For anybody listening, we are on fire, and we are bringing the blaze of kindness, and, and it brings joy and happiness for a change. This is no fun you know, we, we have to have fun. We have to dance. We have to sing. We, we need to celebrate. So this is where my energy is going on the platform in which, um, you know, your um, wonderful mind and the baby, she know I love her. I can't wait that um when she sees that she's guiding my energy on something that <laughs> she's promoting, I'm sure she's going to feel like a queen that she is because I'm going to do what she asked me to do. We here for her. We here for them. We here for all of them, all kinds, all colors, all nations. And so um, I'm excited. I'll be there Monday with children, and we're gonna have a good time. That we're gonna do. Pass the mic back to you. So we have an exciting week planned for this week, and honoring and saluting our veterans. So tomorrow, a personal friend of yours, Queen, and a very great friend to the Hope Collection, and to all of us. Then Taylor finally gets an open schedule to make an appearance. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. He will be on That's... on tomorrow with Rick Reese and Travel Tuesday, and he is going to talk about everything that he does to help veterans, including he does all the sound and video and coordinating for things like the Tuskegee Airmen Traveling Museum. And not only that, but this gifted, wonderful musician is volunteers his time at the Children's Hospital and helping uplift children who are struggling. 
and help entertain and open barriers. And there's a lot of things he's going to be talking about. Our shows coming up throughout the weeks will be uh, throughout this week are going to be extended, so they're not all just going to be an hour long. Um, mm-hmm. Wednesday's show, we're going to talk about transition and how being active in the military and getting out means we still need to get off our butts and exercise and do things and eat properly and learn how to eat properly because a lot of us just eat what we're given to eat while we're in the service and don't exactly know how to eat when we get out. And right after that, we have a guest coming on, a filmmaker who has transitioned out of the military and is creating documentaries and different movies to inspire and show different stories from the military. And on Friday, we have Len Kane. On Thursday, we have one guest that uh, our own Tuesday night show, Heather Mahoney, who was a Navy veteran, will come on and talk about what she's been doing to help other veterans and transition out. And those are just a few of the guests we have coming on this week. We have a lot of schedule packed with extended shows and different things to highlight all service members, all branches, including the Space Force. And our goal is to have guests from every branch of the service and from every conflict and war that we have fought in. You have people like me who fought in Operation Iraqi Freedom and three other names of the war that I don't keep track of anymore. World War II and we have and Korea, Vietnam, Desert Storm. So I hope you join us all week while we highlight service members and not just service members, but the families. So many people forget that the families are just as involved as the soldiers themselves. And their life is just as hard as the soldier's life because you never know if they're coming home or not. And you have to deal with their schedules and some of them, depending on the job they're in, may be gone in a day's notice. Some may be gone in a couple hours notice. So they live in a world of unpredictability and, you know, they get uprooted and moved how many times because they get transferred from one base to another. So we want to salute and honor all families of service members because they, the family is what makes that member that's in that soldier and their support system. And as we're talking today, you know, Ron talked a lot about the lost souls. And we've talked a lot about different organizations. For instance, mine, the One Flag, One Life, which is all about helping you struggling with post-war syndrome and how to overcome and understand the triggers and understand war syndrome isn't just the flashbacks. It's not just the things that you deal with when you get out. The problem we're finding out is a lot of us took the traumas we experienced as a child or the life environment we had as a kid and used the military as a way to escape. So you take already trauma and you try to hide and escape into a world that's nothing but trauma. And you learn to suck it all in. You learn to not talk about it. Because we're still under the stigma of talking about it makes you weak. And we need to be under the, the thought process that the more you talk about it, the stronger you are. And learning what your triggers are is the biggest challenge there is. And it's not just the triggers. So you have the mental triggers, the things that you deal with. But some, to understand what those triggers are, what those things happen that make us what we are, the short temper or things like that, is understand what your body goes through. You know, 
pain in your body that can't be explained by MRIs and CAT scans. A lot of that has to do with trauma. You know, your body is stressing out because you're holding everything in. And the only place it's got to go is more inside. You know, heart conditions such as irregular heartbeats, heart attacks, all of that stuff can be caused by how you deal with your trauma. Migraine headaches. Symptoms of MS. Numbness in your body in different areas. A lot of medical issues are caused by trauma. And learning that your physical symptoms, the things you're physically feeling, and what you're going through in your mind, and putting those together is a key to overcoming that. One and one equals two. And it's a slow process because, you know, our brains are phenomenal, but our brains are also lazy. They're only, our brain, our only job and function of our brain is to protect us and keep us alive. So we tend to block out things, for one, that is a way of protecting us. Another aspect is trying to remember our memories, especially ones that we've suppressed for so long. And we only see certain parts of it. And that is crucial for us to start analyzing and thinking about things. Coming up, Starting Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, right? Or no, I'm sorry, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are launching a new show, and it's post-war and trauma in view. And we're going to break down trauma and post-war syndrome. We're going to break down anxiety. We're going to break down depression. We're going to break down mental health issues, and we're going to help you overcome them. We're going to understand what they are and help you break down your triggers, help you understand not only what you're feeling and seeing mentally, but what you're physically going through and understanding that connection and how to figure out regulation techniques, how to overcome them in your mind and understand that they're not, you've lived it, you survived it like watching a movie, will help you to overcome that. And then important things is wording. You know, you will never hear me say I have PTSD. Because the minute you make your mental health issue part of who you are and part of your identity, it makes it that much harder to overcome and get rid of. So as you always hear me talk about I have overcome trauma. I have dealt with anxiety. I have had depression because I have seen the issues of it. I know what my triggers are, and I'm overcoming it as I go. Because as new things, new awarenesses, the more I talk about it, the more things pop in my head and understanding, like I had the breakthrough this weekend about what my triggers were that I didn't know were. I know what I did. I just couldn't fix it because I didn't know what what was causing it. Things like that make it so much easier to overcome because you're starting to become aware of it. You're becoming less reactive and more proactive. You're not reacting negatively to things as much as you're becoming more proactive and understanding these are what the issues are This is what's causing it. I understand now, and you're becoming more aware that I'm bearing this. I'm dealing with this. I'm not talking about it. I'm holding it in until I explode because I can only deal with so much at one time. Things like that make it so much easier to overcome it. 
you're basically rewiring your brain to be able to handle the situations you're in. Being aware of everything is so much more. proactive that you become less active about it. It becomes more in the forefront of your thoughts and understanding it. Finding support groups to be able to talk to others that are in the same situation you're in. You know, the misconception a lot of people have is that, okay, so I'm in a support group with a bunch of trauma and few soldiers that's going to aid to my, and make my trauma worse. They're going to trigger me. Sometimes it can happen, but more than likely, it makes it easier for you to open up and talk because you know that what you went through, they went through. You get that, that whole sense of support because it's not somebody that has lived a cushy life, had a behind a desk and is living in hypothetical worlds based on an education. When you have these support groups of like-minded individuals, you get to lean on them and open up to them. And they see things that you don't always see. And you don't feel so alone. And even specialists have support groups and therapists and coaches to help them. Nobody's immune. Seeking help is a sign of strength, not weakness. It helps you overcome what you're dealing with. And talking to that third party, you know, helps you see things that you don't see because you live it all day long. It's kind of like you have when you have kids. 